Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back home, Phoenix Suns. Welcome back to Phoenix Suns Arena. And Matthew... Welcome back, playoff basketball, man. Suns win. Suns beat the Clippers. Suns are going to the playoffs. Man, that's the playoffs. I haven't seen that many fans in the arena this whole year. Any team, right? It was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, and I was really impressed by the turnout. Those fans look good. The jerseys, they're all decked out, cheering on even the beginning of the game, booing Paul uh, Paul Pierce, Paul George. <laughs> Like it was just, it felt great, man. It was definitely play playoff atmosphere. This is exactly what I expected tonight. Um, and plus, playoff Chris Paul showed up, dude. This is the real playoff P right here. This is <laughs> this is the this real game, playoff. P. Yeah, last last game we talked about Chris Paul and how he was uh, basically turning up a notch. Well, he went up to another notch tonight, and the MVP chance were going out crazy. I just I loved it tonight, man. Yeah, it was a game in which the Phoenix Suns had an opportunity to clinch the playoffs by playing a team that they haven't beat yet this season. You know, there's only two teams that hold the tiebreaker over the Phoenix Suns currently. That's the Los Angeles Clippers because they've beat them twice. And the Denver Nuggets is a team that the Suns have also lost to twice. They have beat them once, though. So it was nice just to know that we could beat this team. It was nice to feel that victory, even though they are without Kawhi Leonard. It's nice to feel that because who knows? This could potentially be a playoff matchup here in you know about a month or or a month yeah. and a couple of weeks. So it yeah. definitely is uh, a, a good preview, and and you need to have that confidence going into that series if we are to play them in the playoffs. So uh, a fantastic victory for the Phoenix Suns over the. Los Angeles Clippers, you know, Matthew, earlier in the season, when we were predicting what the Suns' final record would be, I predicted they would have 44 wins. They just hit win number 44, so I'm wrong. What did I predict? I thought you were going to tell me what I predicted. Like four, <laughs> I, I think you predicted 45 or 46. You were a little bit more optimistic yeah, than I was, I was, as you typically are. I didn't. Yeah, of course I am. I mean, even the old says the last 10 years, oh, they'll make the playoffs. So <laughs> every year. Yeah. Well, they've made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're in the playoffs now. So, and it's so they're talking about crying in the chat. You know, they showed the the little girl with the, um, I think it was a little girl with a CP3 MVP sign. Just reminding yes. me of Steve Nash days. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. That almost, it, I didn't cry, but I was like, I was like, oh, I, I could feel. I, I got a little emotional. I got there. pretty emotional tonight. Like once I realized that they were going to win this game, like I was fist pumping and you know kind of screaming, and I hugged my yeah. wife really hard. And she's like, "But they're the best, second best team in the NBA. They, we know they're going to the playoffs." I'm like, "Yeah, but they've officially clinched it now. Like it's done. We know we're in. We're one of the top six seeds. You know, obviously our aspirations are much much higher, but still, like knowing that we are officially there is something that is." Uh, <sighs> It wow, just so you good, gave a man. hug to Shannon? Oh, man, I, I squeezed her tight, and I didn't let her go. I don't think she oh, liked it either. Oh, so. yummy. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John. He's Matthew, thus the term jam. Thank you if you're watching along live. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we truly appreciate it. If you are on the YouTube, please smash the thumbs up button smash the subscribe button and you can become an elite jamster simply by clicking the join button or following the link in the description uh feel free to donate via the super chat because matthew needs some clear cell for his butt uh he tends to get stress zits on his ass and if we can Did buy I him a cream on the pod oh, yeah man. pretty close pretty i hope close. no one's eating again so <laughs> yeah sorry about that if you are eating dinner uh shout out to tree nugs in the chat uh, $20 thrown our way to the Suns Jam Session podcast. He says, am I dreaming? 
I'll tell you this, Tree Nugs, you're not, man. Like, this is real. This is happening. The Phoenix (laughs) Suns are going to the playoffs. And as Just Z says, who just gave us $5 as well, uh, the drought is over and he's got tear emojis too. I mean, that's it's a it's an emotional night for Suns fans. You know, we still know that you have we have so much to do and so many more mile markers to hit for this team. But you can't do it unless you hit the first mile marker. And, you know, it's like we just passed it and it's it's almost tears of joy again because it's just so exciting to see this team play off bound. Uh, if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We'll actually read it right here on the show. So say whatever the hell you want. I don't care. We will read it, okay? As long as it's not illegal, unethical, or immoral, we will read it. So, <laughs> uh, And you can email the show, session at gmail.com. So without further ado, we're going to break down everything relative to the Suns' victory over the Clippers. Matthew, you you can't be drinking water tonight on the celebratory night. Mm. What do you got? I got a water. You know, the the thing about the Invisalign, I can't really drink too much unless I take them out. So I don't know what to do. You know what? I'll drink for you. Me, the Jamsters, we will drink for you. That's enough for you you and me. So (laughs) was that again? again? I've got another Oxton Cocktails Mojito Vodka Cucumber Lime and Mint. That's quite a mouthful, and it's 12.5% alcohol. So Jamsters, crack them if you got them. Because you know where we're going, Matthew? Do you know where we're going? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Suns, baby. Let's talk about it. Phoenix Suns play this, the third best team in the NBA, the Los Angeles Clippers, and defeat them by a score of 109 to 101 on their home floor. A huge victory, obviously, for this team and for this franchise, knowing, as we've mentioned, obviously, that it takes us to the playoffs. Uh, I do like Tam Boy Dumpa in the chat. He says, long time coming. Cheers to all of us. Kendall Marshall, Kendall Marshall, Hakeem Ork, Hito <laughs> yeah. Turkoglu, Isaiah Kanan. This is oh. for you. I'll drink to that, baby. Those were the money ball days, trying to make up for Amari Stoudemire. Yes, yeah. yes. Those were great days. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if the team is officially back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we're here to talk about that victory over the Clippers and how we got there. And I think that something that... You know, first I got to ask you, Matthew, was it the ESPN yes. broadcast or the Rally the Valley Valley well, Sports broadcast? Was it on Valley Sports? Because my app did not have the game. So I could no not shit. find it. Yeah, I oh, couldn't find it. So it was ESPN. So we I got watched- two different perspectives because I refuse to watch the ESPN. I'll watch TNTs every time I will not watch ESPN. That's what I said last time. I'm like, I stick with Spot, Spot or Valleys. I stick with them. I want to listen to EJ, and it just didn't, it didn't happen tonight. And I wanted to listen to him so badly on a game like this. Because like when you listen to ESPN, you don't hear anything for about two seconds sometimes. And then Jeff Van Gunny will come in there once in a while and say something funny, maybe. But it's just it's not good. It's not good analysis. I hate it. Yeah, and they're also not in their arena, so everything's a little bit delayed. And again, I just you look How for some it, uh, it was great. I mean, it, obviously okay. you have you have EJ sure. and you have K Ray. So I mean that's definitely something that I'm going to uh, enjoy listening to and I'm not I just I won't deal with ESPN that's not what I'm okay. going to do uh, I did see a tweet earlier today uh, from Espo who's actually one of the hosts of the Sun Solar Panel which is also on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network they do a fantastic job they're kind of like our big brother podcast if you will and he he brought up a really interesting point I wanted to ask you this question mm-hmm. he pretty much said you know, his tweet was D books bubble game winner over the Clippers may have opened Pandora's box. This LA team feels like the new Spurs, annoying, dirty, and play their best against the Suns. Do you feel like the Clippers have potential to be the new Spurs? You know what? <clears throat> if they cared and if they were actually going to stay with the Clippers, maybe. But this might be a different team next year. Who knows? But uh, well, I'm just saying, just for this season, because obviously the Spurs were a decade long. It was a different NBA then. But the way that they play, oh, the way the way season? that they get up, get the way yeah. that they get up against the Suns, it feels a little Spurish, right? It, it does, honestly. But it's so funny because I feel like the Spurs would do anything to beat the Suns. They would cheat. They would do whatever. But I think the Clippers will like try their best, and then if they don't succeed, then it's okay. That's the way the Clippers are. I think, right? I mean, tonight we like dodge a bullet with Paul George a little bit. But I think honestly, what we're gonna, <laughs> a little voice crack there. Yeah, but hey. I, 
I don't see them that way, really. I mean, it was a good take. It really was, but I don't see them that way because I think, honestly, the matchup is better than what people think, even though Kawhi Leonard wasn't there tonight. But I don't see like the little battle we're going to have. Maybe when Patrick Beverly's on the court, because you kind of forgot about him tonight, maybe that's the thing. That's, that's the spurish thing is the Patrick Beverly part. Yeah, I just I feel the like annoying. they have a they have a lot of roster players who are just that they're annoying. They have the Bruce yeah. Bowen esque uh, player traits. They have the Ginobili esque, the Parker esque, the guys who feel like they don't miss. And you know, let's not lie. In this game, the first quarter, it felt like nobody can miss, especially from deep. And the Suns were go- kind of going mono e mono with the Spurs relative to three point shots. I mean, the end of the first quarter, the, the Suns had 39 points, but the Clippers were right there with 31 because they would not miss either. So there are, in in my opinion, the reason I brought up that question that Espo posed on Twitter was I feel like they do have a little Spurs-esque game to them. They are annoying. They are a defensive-minded team that can really crank up the defense, and they do the little things that just kind of piss you off. You know, yeah, they're not going to cheat necessarily to beat you, but... When we've played the Clippers earlier this year, it felt like it was a cheat code because they couldn't miss from three. I mean, coming into this game, the Clippers were ridiculous against the Suns from three, including uh, Paul George. He was like 14 for 19 from three in the first two games against the Suns, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, he came down to earth tonight, three for nine for three. It wasn't one of those nights where Paul George was just hitting everything against the Suns. Yeah, and it was the same looking shots I think that he had the last few games against us. It just they wouldn't go in. And I hate saying that stuff because it's like, why why do we even have this podcast? Why do we even watch? It's like, oh, he just misses shots. That's why we won. But I mean, it kind of is. I mean, he had some good looks tonight. They just would not go in. I think the Clippers themselves had a pretty decent looks. They were 13 for 37. Or that was actually the Suns. Let me see what they were. 12 for 31. So about the same. Yeah. But I feel like they had a lot of good looks open tonight, but they just didn't fall. But Paul George is the one you had to watch, of course, with of course. Kawhi Leonard out. But Paul George's his shot attempts were exactly almost the same as the last game. So we're just lucky they didn't go in. He didn't really try to take it to the rim too much until late in the game to try to put or to try to catch up to the Suns. And that's the thing with the Clippers. I feel like they get too comfortable sometimes and they think they can take it over maybe towards the end of the fourth quarter in the five minutes left. And sometimes it's just too late for that team. And I see that a lot when I watch them. True. That's why I'm not too scared with them. I just think they get too comfortable and then they just underestimate a team maybe. And they think, you know, we have the better superstars on this team. So we have the opportunity to really hit the big shots and then they just can't sometimes. And I think that's what they did tonight. Yeah, and again, on the other side of the ball, you have CP3 who can hit the big shots. So, you know, this is a team, the the Los Angeles Clippers, that is dangerous, that is scary, that still is going to scare me come playoff time because I just feel like they're a bad matchup for us. Mm -hmm. It's a team that, uh, you know, one thing that I, I, well, I'll I'll get into this real quick, my point, but real quick, a couple shout-outs. We have a couple two. Uh, two new elite jamsters. We have Nicholas Tan, the Malaysian man, Nikki Tan, joining he us. He wasn't he one wasn't, already. He, he oh wasn't an official gosh. elite jamster. He's been listening to oh, us since I'm we were the Solar joking, Report. And then, uh, and then we have Paul Voida, my little brother, is an officially a member. So, uh, nice. Paul, welcome aboard. That's a cool uh, That's profile a cool pick, picture you dude. have there, man. Just keeping is it real. A, yeah, is he a fan of what's the girl um, Sindel from Mortal Kombat? The one with oh where, yes, yeah, he looks kind of like Sub Zero there. So. Sub Zero. Okay, never mind. Sub Zero. But uh, we appreciate it. all you elite jamsters who are joining. Uh, we we really appreciate it. Um, the point I was going to make, and the reason why I think the Clippers are a tough match for us, is because defensively they really are pesky uh, relative to our good players. And Kawhi Leonard, obviously not being out there tonight, is one of the reasons that you know you just don't know because we are zero and two. Uh, against the Clippers when they have both yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But the way that they match up on Booker is something that's that can be a trouble. And if you look at the beginning of this game, the way that they didn't have Paul George on Devin Booker was really an interesting strategy at the beginning of the game because it allowed Booker to navigate and do what he wanted. Early, he was he was backing down Terrence Mann. He was taking him to the block. And although he missed a, you know one shot that was really just an aggressive back down, you could see that he could kind of do whatever he wanted. Come the second half, it was a little bit more more Paul George on Devin Booker, a lot more double teams, and a lot more take the ball out of Booker's hand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think when when he went up against Paul George towards the end of the game, like, don't go one-on-one with this guy. It's almost, it's impossible. I think CP3 pulled off a, a few good moves against him later in the game, which which was amazing, man. I mean, the stop and go he had in the paint against Paul George to get the layup, like, that's stuff from just experience, man. And that's what 
CP3 brings to this team, of course, the experience in these playoff moments, you know, the atmosphere and just the play, because Paul George is going to give it his all at the end. And I don't think Booker can really handle that. Paul George is such a big dude compared to Booker, right? Yes. I don't even know how Booker can get off a shot against him. Oh, wait, he did it in the bubble, right? Against him and Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> him and Kawhi Leonard, yes. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. I guess he can do it. So it's... It's something he'll learn to do, but that is such a tough matchup. So it is nice not to have Kawhi in the game to, you know, just have Paul George to worry about defensively and maybe Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly really doesn't ever do anything. I feel like against the Suns, he's all talk, doesn't really put up a good game on defense against them. Um, but Paul George himself, I mean, if you're going to go one-on-one with him, uh, just keep doing it until you can figure some stuff out. But that it's funny because we're just watching an ISO game right at the end of this game. Mm-hmm. It was just basically Booker's turn, CP3's turn. I love that, dude. It's like what I can compare it to is like, you know, so, a couple brand new boobies you can play with. You know, you can do this one, that one. I don't know why I said that, but it's just it's fun. Yeah, you know, it's just like, ah, I'm done with the left. Let's go to the right for a little bit. Yeah. You know, I've got Booker. I've got CP3 over here, you know, and, and combined, they're a beautiful pair, right? Okay, yeah, I see exactly. what you did there. Yep. But I really think that this was a good game for Devin Booker because he he really saw and we saw what a lot of teams are going to try to do to him come playoff time. And it's good for him to learn to try to how to navigate those different uh stressors that are being thrown at him those different defenses those different those different looks come playoff time you're not playing you know every night you're playing elite defenders it's not like okay i'm playing a a tough one tonight uh but tomorrow you know i'm playing you know the wizards and it's it's somebody who's not you know bradley beal's a great score but he can't guard devin booker and what have you so it's going to be really interesting come playoff time to see how he learns and adapts and part of that is right now is him learning how to do it within the game and you know you look at his overall performance uh, Dem Booker, 9 for 19, 21 points, so not obviously very effective. But a lot of those missed shots were from deep. He was 1 for 6 from 3. I feel like he hit his first 3, and then from there on out, it was just kind of couldn't hit one. But 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And as you mentioned, you know, in the clutch time moments, which are the moments under 5 minutes when the game is within 5 points of each other, he performed tonight. It was Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. And... It's because because the pressure came off of Chris Paul. Think about this, too. The way that Monty staggers the minutes with uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, the middle chunk of the game, yes, that's going to happen. When when Devin Booker's out there on an island, when there's no Chris Paul in the second third quarter at the same time with him, he's not going to have the ability to uh, get as open as he would with Chris Paul being there, but that's what makes this team so good and so dangerous is that that prolonged he, he, Devin Booker's ability to pass out of the doubles to create when there isn't much to, to, to create off of is what's going to make this team successful in the playoffs. Yeah. You can go a couple different ways, maybe. Oh, uh, Jesus Mendoza. Hey, welcome. Another yeah. elite jamster. Welcome. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Mendoza. I was going to say, there's a couple ways you can go with it. Maybe um, Booker's playmaking. I mean, it went up. It was dramatically improved the last few years, and this year, of course, it took a back step. I actually predicted he had more assists this year than the Chris Paul. You know, just throw those out there for some reason. I don't know what that is, <laughs> but he, he. There's two different ways. So I think the Suns had opportunities. I think down those stretches where they, I think they were in like 0 for 8 or 0 for 9, and the Booker had yes. to get a put back layup just to get a point. Yep. There was possessions where I think Book was kind of spreading the ball. They were, they were moving the ball pretty well, but just nothing would go in. But also, it'd be nice if Chris or if Devin Booker can make those threes. I know you said he went one for six yeah. and he's watching at the bench on the bench, Chris Paul shooting and just you know, nailing him. He's probably like, why can't I make those? You think those might drive him? I know he's happy for Chris Paul, but it's just like, why can I not make those? Cause that's the difference, right? Chris Paul can come up and make those threes and Devin Booker doesn't have the opportunity right now. So you think defenses just play him differently now because they know, Hey, just let him take the three because mm-hmm. he's just, he's never feeling it in any game. So well, it's a lot what, to adjust for him. Look what the, the Clippers did in the second and mostly the third quarter tonight is they took away the mid range game from him. If he tried anything, trying to get to the mid range where he's money, where he lives, I mean, it was a wall just standing right there. They're like, nope, you're not getting yeah. those shots. Off. They forced him to that perimeter because he's not deadly from there. So it's one of those things I honestly feel that with time, Devin Booker will get better and better at so shooting those threes and, and having the confidence to do so. I mean, I swear, has Devin Booker ever made a wide open three in his in his career? 
I say that with a lot of these players on this team. I'm like, is Cam Johnson going to make a three? Is Mikhail yeah. Bridges? You know, I always do that, but it is true. Booker does miss most of them. <laughs> it's what it's what it so, really feels like. Like I'd like yeah, I'd, I'd love like. to look up the advanced st- statistics and see what he is shooting when he's yeah. wide open from three. But you know, again, clutch moments equals uh, mm-hmm. on on a national stage. It was an ESPN game. And we got to talk about CP3, obviously. I mean, a fantastic game. Another way to close out a game with the eyes of the country upon you. You know, you had the Knicks game where it was, I, I said it like he, he scored the last eight points in the last podcast, like seven times. It was the last seven points, but oh, whatever. Okay. It was just huge, amazing clutch shots right there in the mecca of basketball. Forget about it. And now he's he's playing against the number three team in, in the league, on ESPN, everybody's watching this game. This is clearly the game of the day. The game before yeah. it was what the the Lakers getting blown out by who did they play? The Wizards. The Wizards blow out the Lakers yeah. beforehand. So everybody's yeah. watching this game, and there's all this talk going around about CP3 for MVP. And I think we all know uh, it's not going to happen. But Dave King for Bright Side of the Sun wrote a great piece on why it could. You know the reasons why he ha- should definitely get some consideration for it. Uh, that so check out that article when you get a chance. But it's, it's moments like these. It's the true definition of MVP. You know, the whole narrative. The NBA loves a great story, right? The Giannis story, the back-to-back MVPs for Giannis is, you know, a guy from Greece who had nothing was, you know, him and his brothers were just, you know, not eating and, and were had, had came from poverty. And then they come to the NBA and he grows like five inches after the draft and becomes this amazing transcendent player. And he's still doing amazing things in Milwaukee. And everyone's like, nah, we're over that story. And yeah. then the Jokic thing has been a great story as well because he, he's literally like obliterating, obliterating the advanced statistics. And now you have the whole CP3 uh, narrative of taking Phoenix from the doldrums of the NBA is really, as Dave was making the point in his article today, he's the only real change on this team. And look at how different they are. And now you throw these clutch moments and these signature moments in there at the back end of a season right in front of the national media. He is making a valid case. He really is, and it's only going to get better because we saw a different Chris Paul tonight, right? It was more vocal, more like of his game. He controlled a lot of it. I feel like the the whole year he's kind of given the team like its own way of doing things on the court. I mean, of course, he will manage. He's a point guard, but he was seriously, I don't know if it was just a mic on the court or what, but I feel yeah. like I heard him more just yelling at what to do, even when he was away from the ball. like He was just telling them what to do. He had more control. This game is just like if he continues to have these and then Jokic in the Nuggets, for some reason, I mean, the media, I think, you know, I predict him to be MVP, of course, but it's not as sexy as something like a Chris Paul winning MVP, right? Yeah. Or or like a Joel Embiid that was supposed to win MVP. It's almost like a lifetime achievement award for C Paul, CP3 at this I point. I mean, he, he might be man of the year. If he wins if he wins MVP, he might be. And I read the Dave, Dave King article. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. He is anything you think about the Suns team, how it's improved, he's helped improve it. So, I mean, it, it, it's basically, it's it's his, I know you say he might not, he probably won't win, but it's going to be closer than I think you think. Because if we get the number one seed yes. and how he's turned everything around here, Jokic has been in Denver for forever. And that team's always been a fourth or fifth seed. He has, he has good pieces around him. I think Chris Paul does too with the Suns team, but he gets them to play at a different level, right? These players, if they're on a different team or if he's not on this team, they're not playing at this level they're playing right now. So it's just it's difficult for me to say that he won't win it because there is a few more games left. I think 10 more games. Yes, 10. So, there's now 10 games left. Yeah, when he turns it on like he did today and he can put those stats up and just control the game and clutch and all of that, he might end up winning it. And it, I it mean, is possible. It and is possible. You, you look at what Denver's doing. They haven't been playing the greatest basketball as of late. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure that they they won tonight. So, you know, obviously yeah. every win that they the Denver Nuggets have without Jamal Murray, without Will Barton, who's now hurt for the Denver Nuggets. It's it's really another notch in the belt for Nikola Jokic. And don't get me wrong, Nikola Jokic wins the MVP. I'm happy. I think it's or Joel Embiid. I don't I don't really care, you know, at this mm-hmm. point. You know, I, I know that we're putting together a piece for Bright Side of the Sun that's going to come out tomorrow about seeding in the NBA mm-hmm. playoffs. And even then it's like seeding I don't even care about. I'm just happy we're in the playoffs and we have a shot, a, a legitimate yeah. shot at making a run for a title this year. You know, this isn't a year in which the Suns are sneaking in like some expected at the beginning of the season. It's like, hey, you know, if we hit the play-in games, we're going to be really happy, man, because we haven't smelled yeah. the playoffs in 10 years. We we have a potential to be a number one seed, not only in the Western Conference, but the best record in the NBA. Like, 
it's it's unbelievable what has occurred in front of our eyes, and it's been really fun doing this with you, Matthew. After every game, having a podcast, talking about it with all the jamsters, you know, in in everybody hanging out with us, talking shit, having a good time, drinking some beers. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's it's just it's 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 been so much fun. So if CP3 wins the MVP, I mean that's icing on the cake. That's just vindication from the national media. I don't know if it'll happen, but it is a very Steve Nash-esque kind of year in which Steve Nash came to the Valley in 04 and changed everything. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here. And then you have nights like tonight where, you know, it was getting testy. There it was 92-91. You felt like the Clippers might, you know, kind of what you said. The, the Clippers kind of have this feeling whenever you watch them, they're like, yeah, we can just turn it on the last five minutes, right? Yeah, I yeah. got this. We can turn it off the last five minutes. Hey, last five minutes, let's start playing. And then they start playing, and the and CP3 is like, uh-uh, bitch. Uh-uh. Yeah. I got this game. <laughs> I mean, what the Clippers do, they, they do that. And it frustrates me because I like their team and stuff. I think they could be more dominant, but they're just so passive in a way. But, of course, when they're playing the Suns, I don't want them to be that way. I don't want them to be as dominant. But tonight, it's just like they get to this point where their defense tightens up a little bit. And then they take things away. And then it's just like who it's going to be the ISO game. Who's going to go one-on-one who's going to take over. And it's like, if, if, if Paul George doesn't have it, then there's no way I feel like they can get back in the game. But that's exactly what happened tonight, man. And well, it did Kawhi get Leonard can get them back in a game. He can, but I, I think the end of games, Kawhi, Kawhi is deadly, for some man. reason. I don't he know. Is, I don't think he's as clutch as people think. I think a lot of the times he, he hides. And I know in that, in the, when he won the finals, and stuff. He had that really awesome game. I think in game against five Philly, against, game seven against no, Philly. Was, that sent no, it to the I finals. Game, yeah, I know what you're talking about in the finals as well. Yeah. So that game, but then like he'll go through moments. We'll have like a good moment, and then he just can't capitalize. I think I talked about this last time we played them. I just I know Paul George hasn't done in the playoffs, so that's what's going to be really interesting to watch. But I'm just thinking, I'm like I I'm more scared of Paul George during the regular season right now than a Kawhi Leonard. Because I think Kawhi is kind of passive, and I don't think he yes. can get things going at the end of games. I just don't think he can. Kawhi doesn't have the ability when he shoots the ball, you, you're scared. Paul George, and we saw this the last time we played the Clippers and lost to them, he was taking ridiculous shots, and they were going in. And it gets to the point yeah. where he he borderlines when he's hot on the Steph Curry type of just ridiculousness when it comes to level of difficulty and how easy it goes in. And I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, there's a reason why the Los Angeles Clippers are a team that not a lot of people have faith in either, because like the Suns, they've never seen them do it in the playoffs, except they've been to the playoffs and they failed because they do have a lackadaisical attitude mm-hmm. about their team. The Suns have a competitive nature. They're led by Chris Paul. You have Devin Booker who just gets angry. You have DeAndre Ayton who's, who gets angry at times as well. You have Monty Williams who is you know just a coach who's going to try to pull everything out of his team and and set them up for success. So you know it's going to be interesting come playoff time to see you know if and when we play this Los Angeles Clippers team what's going to happen. But again, winning this game gives me a little bit of confidence knowing that we can beat them. You know. That's it, it. Nothing's worse than playing a team in the yeah. playoffs and you, and you went 0 and 3 against them, and you're the, like the one or two seed in the NBA. You're like, damn, one team had our number, and it was this team. Great, of course. You so, know what, team? We used to actually have the Spurs numbers sometimes during seasons. We used to like sweep them or else like win the series three to one or two to one, and they just get actually whooped in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, well, let's let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about Cameron Payne, and I, I really mm-hmm. want to, you know, mad respect for campaign in this game. I mean, he uh, ended the night with a total of 15 points, 6 for 14 shooting. I mean, he was shooting the ball tonight, uh, 3 for 6 from downtown, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. And what I was really impressed with was early on, there was a, another, you know, you, you, you almost have like this big fella board for campaign on guys that he ends up Ding up and trying to block out. Cause every team, whenever they see campaign, they're like, dude, we got to do a switch and get mm-hmm. campaign guarding in our big. And he's guarded Zion and, and Rudy Gobert and Giannis. And tonight it was uh, Marcus Morris. I mean, he was boxing him out and Mar- Mar- Marcus Morris was like, just calling for the ball. Give me the, give me the rock, give me the rock. And then he did. And, and campaign deed him up and uh, you know, had a brick. And then later in the game on a key possession, he knocked the ball out of Paul George's hand. It went to the backcourt and Paul George had to shoot a half court three. Uh, What'd you see from campaign tonight that you enjoyed? Yeah, he's always in there, right? I mean, he's always trying to poke the ball away, even like in full court pressure defense. If he misses a shot, he gets so frustrated where he'll try to go back and steal the ball from the defender or the opposing player. And I love that because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't matter because he can regain 
where he where he should be on defense, right? He can get back quickly and, and then continue to play great defense. But that's the thing with these Suns guards. Like they all play great defense. They're all pesky. They're all in there. They can they can be a big body, even though they're kind of tiny, but they know yeah, how to they play big. They know how to play defense. Yeah. But then I think campaign right now, he's just looking to score, right? I mean, he had the four assists, but that's I actually put in my notes. I think it was like the first shot he missed. I'm like, come on, campaign. Pass like, you, you, have, you have to be so selfish all the time. And he goes on and scores like the next 100 points. So, <laughs> so I love that from campaign though, because I think that when he's on the court, he can facilitate, but he's such a great scorer. So, why not just like that? If that's like his strength, just go for it, man. His weakness isn't, of course, passing or playmaking, but he's a better scorer. So, just Focus on that, and then you get the best out of them. And I think that's what Monty said, 14 shot attempts. That's a lot for a bench guy, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. And, you know, I think the fact that he gets paired a lot with CP3 uh, gives him an opportunity to take those shots. You'll have CP3 on one side of the court. You'll have him on the other side. And he'll just run up and try to run the offense and just try to score. And, yeah. you know, the first half he went, uh, or he had 11 points in the first quarter and was three for four yes. from three. He was one of the many sons who just couldn't miss from in three uh, from in the first quarter. And then, you know, as elite jamster, Jesus Mendoza brings up pain shot with a clock shot running out was awesome. That I mean, was that nice. was another huge possession. Nice, yeah. yeah it, it probably will. I know bleacher report actually like retweeted that shot. And like the moment good. campaign is being retweeted by bleacher reports. Like, Holy shit. That's you know, we're doing good happening. Things, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're doing good things when like your bench backup point guard slash two guard yeah. is making a touch pass over the backboard, nothing but netter. It, you just know that it's going to be a good night for the Phoenix Suns. And the best thing that I thought about that was I think Patrick Beverly was talking shit for the Clippers, yeah. you know, yeah. who's not playing tonight. And then he yeah. just, you know, as he as he's running back the court, you know, it's a timeout by the Clippers. And campaign just kind of looks back at him and shrugs, you know, yeah. and starts jarring back at him. You see I just, that a lot more this year, right? It. It's because there's no crowd, so I feel like they can hear them more. So there's a lot more turning around, even like to the to the empty chairs by Jay Crowder, but towards the benches, like it, they're always back and forth so much more than what I can remember. Maybe it's just me actually paying attention more, but I think it's because there's no crowd. They can hear them chirping, and yes. there's always after every shot, every there's, big shot, or towards the end of the game, towards the end of the half, or something. There's always jibber jabber going. Oh, jibber jabber! I don't know. Jibber jabber, jibber going back and forth. Uh, Coda Kid in the chat, one of our loyal and elite jamsters, says he's just getting back from the game, and he says that his Whoa. his throat hurt. So thank oh, yeah? you, Coda Kid. Thank yes. you to every Suns fan who was there. Put in getting the loud. You know the great thing is about when you play the Clippers is there's no Clippers fans in the crowd. It's all Suns fans. You know. I know that's what like I was a, thinking too. You know, it's not a Lakers game or a <laughs> Warriors good. game. You dude, know, those, they were all decked out, dude. Those Suns fans look great. I love them. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, again, getting loud, supporting the team, uh, definitely something that is going to bode well for this Phoenix Suns team once the playoffs do <laughs> begin. Uh, Mikael Bridges, you know, a, a mm -hmm. decent night from him. Really started off hot from three again, like the rest of the team did. Ended with a total of thirteen points, four for eight shooting, two for five from the three point line, seven rebounds, one assist, three steals, two blocks, and it was yeah. really nice to see. You know, there, I got, I got some. Positive things to start off or to talk about with Mikhail, but I'll start off with my one negative thing. Uh, point Mikhail is not a thing because there was one fast break when he was yeah. running down the court and he just tried to do some weird spin pass to Tory Craig, the juice, and it just went out of bounds. And I was like, okay, Mikhail, don't run the point. Stick to defense, mm -hmm. Duncan, and shooting threes. But what did you see from Mikhail Bridges and his defense tonight? Yeah, was that more on uh, Craig, though, or no? I don't know where it hit him because no, like, well, the was angle's so weird. It was a weird was pass, man. Yeah, he was yeah, trying too I, hard, which is okay. I respect it, but yeah. don't make Point Mikhail a thing. It happens with those wing players where they get so excited. They're running the break. Dude, how, many, yes. how often does that happen? So they want to make a play. Um, but honestly, tonight, and this is a typical Mikhail Bridges night. You know, he got some threes, some nice drives. He actually had some nice jump shots too. But, I mean, a lot of <clears throat> half of them didn't go in, but it's fine because his defense, I thought, was really good tonight. I thought he he had the tempo. He had, I think, I forget who put it on Twitter. Like, he was just nasty. Like, he, uh, or maybe that was campaign. Oh, yeah, it was a different player. Never mind. But Mikel, Mikel himself, I think he had a hell of a game, dude. Those That stat line is like his stat line. That's like his base, that's right? Is, yes, that, that's, that's where, where he needs to be. Yep. And like he's had some issues. Lately. I mean, we've even said he's been tired. He's been playing like 40-plus minutes every night almost, it seemed like, on that road trip. So he, he had 40 was probably, tonight. 
he yeah and i hope he had 40 hours of sleep in between games because i think he honestly he had the energy back and he got the sun starting hot early and i think a lot of suns players were looking good early but particularly him and i think he carried it through the whole game man very consistent and again it's nice to see him play solid and consistent defense he started off playing against uh Paul George, which is something I wasn't a big fan of. I wanted to see Juice. I want to see Torrey Craig t- try to D him up, but Torrey Craig's got to take Marcus Morris. So I understood why. But then I saw the effect he was having. And again, you know, Paul George went nine for 21 tonight. And you're not going to put every one of those shots on Mikhail Bridges because he didn't play defense on him on every play. But they were trying to switch him out of there because they knew that that he had his number tonight. And it was nice to see that again. 40 minutes led the Suns in total minutes. Uh, he just he continues to grow and mature. And it's nice to see him, uh, you know, like you said, you know, he needs to live about 13 points. I'm good with that. 13 yeah. points and fantastic defense is going to win games. His running mate, the guy who we always like to say, you know, the Suns go as Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson go. Cam Johnson's really starting to struggle, man. Like he 0 for 6 from deep. His one made field goal, his two points, was on a fantastic dunk. And that was early in the game where, you know, he pump faked. uh, Who was on? Nicholas Batum was on him, and he just went right by him. He's like, oh, this old dude's on me. He's like, I'm going right by him. Dunks it, and you're like, this is going to be a fantastic night again for Mikhail Bridges, who had already at that point hit a couple corner threes, and Cam Johnson. Because you know if Cam's cooking, and you know Mikhail's playing defense and getting some points, you know it's going to be a positive outcome for the Suns. And then his woes just continue from from deep, man. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Even when he was starting, he wasn't shooting too well. I know he hit three big threes last game that really helped the Suns. So I honestly think even Chris Paul was yelling at him on the court, shoot the ball <laughs> right when he got it. So that might be the thing. It's just like, hey, be in the corner or you know, in the on the elbows from the three, and just when you get the ball, put it up there. I think a lot of the times that's what it is right now. But he went through a stretch like three games. It was before the road trip, or maybe it was like right in the beginning of the road trip, where he looked really phenomenal. Like just mm-hmm. his confidence, the way he was playing, looked really good. Now he's just like a stiff out there, just shooting the three. And he did have that good dunk, but you want to see a lot more. But I think when you're playing a team like the Clippers defensively, I don't know if he knows where to go on offense. I don't know if he has the ball handling skills, the 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 eye on the court, or even on the half court to really pass the ball around. You know, to do what he wants to do on offense. So I think for shooting the three. That's what he just needs to do right now. And he might get back into rhythm, but it is kind of frustrating because he misses a lot of open threes, dude. Those are big threes, but he hit them last night or last game, but tonight he just wasn't there. I just think he, it's kind of, maybe it's hard on him too because he was starting and now Juice is starting. And it's just like, maybe Cam was like, maybe he thought he would be the starter and it was an opportunity for him to like claim that spot. Maybe that's something mentally that's going on in his mind. I don't know, maybe not because a lot of these players are so unselfish. You'll never hear, hear of it. So I think that might be the issue, but honestly, I think he just needs to keep shooting the three. I like him driving right now. I really do. But to get in the rhythm, I think it's different from Mikhail. Mikhail needs to drive and then shoot the three. And I think Cam's opposite. He needs to shoot himself out of it. But I don't know. It's tough to watch right now, man. But I I agree. And, And you look at his performance against the Knicks. And, you know, he he was ice cold in that game, too, until the fourth quarter. Then he had three big threes. And, you know, again, he's a shooter, so he's got to shoot his way out of it. And I want him to continue to shoot. But here's an yeah. interesting statistic that I looked up tonight, okay? When Cam Johnson shoots over six threes a game, he is shooting 31% from deep, okay? So uh, the most uh, attempts he's had in a game is 11. He's done that twice. Um, but there's a total if you uh, not including tonight. Well, he only shot or he shot six tonight. So he's now shot 27 games in which he shot over uh, six three point attempts per game. And again, 31 percent from three. If he shoots under six attempts from three, he shoots 50 percent. OK, and that's 29 games. So kind of five is the magic number for him. If he shoots six or more, he's pro- that percentage falls pretty drastically so if we can get about three to five quality cam johnson shots from deep in a game he has a better opportunity to maybe shoot himself out of it instead of taking just so many threes and so many bricks so uh you know that was just something i just i literally just looked up while you were talking matthew but uh you know so you got cam johnson you got mikhail bridges again that's the suns go as they go not necessarily true because again we won tonight with cam johnson not playing well off of the bench watch 2021 oh yeah eight and watch time you know I was, I was thinking about it and it's almost we're getting close to that time where we can almost retire the segment because the whole purpose of the eight and watch segment was to analyze 
DeAndre Ayton and kind of why he wasn't reaching his potential. Uh, tell me what you saw from DA in this game. Did he reach his potential in this game? Oh man, my notes are filled. Actually, I only have put I put LOL in my notes. I was just laughing the filled. first half. I was like, what is going on? There was actually times on offense where he didn't know really what to do on inbounds plays. I think it happened twice in a row where he was just standing there. One time he tapped his foot like behind him, like he was just like He's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. It was very strange to watch him in the first half. He was not intrigued, not ready to go. Even a Van Gundy, I know I watch the ESPN broadcast and it sucks, but he's like, he needs to play more physical. And he was right. In the second half, he started to do it offensively on the boards. He started to get more physical. And that's his thing. Just keep doing that. If you're not going to get yourself into offensively into the game, then just work on the offensive boards and then work on the defensive boards. It's fine. But he wasn't in it. I, tonight, it just it didn't look good in the first half. Second half, I feel like it was too late. There were times on switches where I think they had an opportunity to give him the ball on mismatches, but it wasn't there. I think it was because DA didn't play himself into the game. I think he was just, you know, let it come to him. It's fine. But tonight, I think he needed to assert himself. He really needed to. And if the Suns want to win a series against a team like this, they need a better Aiden than that tonight because I thought it was really garbage the way he played in the first half. Second half was kind of too late. I just think when he actually wants to play, then he's good. But tonight, he just didn't want to. Well, the Clippers were without Serge Ibaka. And, you know, obviously, Ivaka Zubak is going to get the the start uh, generally for the Los Angeles Clippers. And that's somebody that DA can play well against. He can body him up, as you mentioned. And I feel like tonight he was just kind of unlucky. You know, he, he went two for eight from the field. He ended with a total of five points and he did get 11 rebounds, but I felt like a lot of his points were just, they were rolling off the rim. You know, they, the floater just wasn't there tonight. And, you know, yeah, it's, obviously it's frustrating, but he was, he was taking the shots. You know, we always say, uh, you know, we were talking about Cam Johnson shots and, and kind of what's the sweet spot there. Like for DA, if he's getting like 15 to 18 shot attempts a game, like you're going to have a monster game from him. And, I feel like they just the, the team overall, their offense wasn't uh, wasn't going to DA, and I feel like it's really because the Clippers weren't allowed. They they know that DeAndre Ayton can be a beast, and one of the weaknesses for them defensively was going to be guarding DA. So what did they do? They packed the paint with Marcus Morris. There was a lot of drop downs. That's why we had so many wide open threes because they were guarding that paint with their lives. You know, you look at the the overall numbers and points in the paint the suns they didn't win that battle 48 to 40 in favor of the los angeles clippers and i think it's because they consciously made an effort to try to disrupt da they were pushing him away from the basket so i think that he was having a hard time uh getting to just just getting his floater to to roll mm -hmm. and then you know i found myself for the first time in quite some time yelling at the tv and just saying dunk that shit da because there was a deal there was an and one opportunity where he's going up and instead of just dunking it through somebody, you know, it's going to be a foul. Yes. He tried to do one of the around things. It still ended up being a foul and he gets the points at the free throw line. But I was just like, come on, man. Um, but I will, but I will say he was quality on the boards, especially when they didn't have Zubak out there in the fourth quarter and kind of throughout the game, you know, he's, he was getting some quality offensive boards. You know, he ended the night with a total of how many offensive boards, five, Six offensive rebounds. He had more offensive rebounds than he had defensive rebounds. And I think the the frustrating thing for me was the fact that he wasn't, or the Suns weren't executing on those second chance opportunities. Every time he got a, an offensive rebound, you know, what, what DA does, he'll get an offensive rebound, he'll volleyball, volleyball it up a couple times. And when he finally grabs it, he jumps up and chucks it somebody. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that could cause a turnover eventually come playoff time. So that's something to kind of definitely wor uh, worry about. But if the Suns just weren't executing, they get the ball back and they just couldn't execute those offensive rebounds until the very end where there was like three offensive rebounds, one of them from DA, one from Cam Johnson, and eventually the Suns scored. Yeah. Honestly, you can just tell now the way DA starts games, if he's going to be into it, just True. really, if you just look at his body language, dude, you can tell and he just wasn't there. So that's a big difference, I think, between the way he needs to play in the playoffs too, because this is... This I was actually very upset. This whole game, I know the Suns won. It was a great, great night, but I was very upset with the way DA played in that. I didn't like it. Well, here's something that's funny though. At what point, and this is probably the first time this has happened to me all season, you know, at what point were you sitting there feeling like Monty, hey, when are you gonna put Frank back in? Mm. 
because Frank was having a great night. He you was. Know, he he, he single handedly <laughs> really like, great game, dude. A really get great game for Frank Kaminsky. Oh you know this this showcases the importance of being and staying ready because he, there was a ton of games in which he didn't play. I actually wrote a piece for Bright Side of the Sun called "Where Art Thou, Frank?" because he wasn't getting any minutes. I write that article the next day. He's back and make an impact. I'm like, okay, hey, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but quality quality minutes doing everything that Dario Sarge hasn't been doing hitting the three playing a little bit of defense getting down being aggressive on the block and it was really weird that I was waiting for the Frank minutes in the second half because Aiton wasn't playing that great (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that because I kind of thought the same thing but the best play of the game was Frank Kaminsky's dunk and then his balls right in Paul George's face, right? When Paul George turned around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. And him screaming. And yes. then the next play, when he had the ball, he took it aggressively to the hole and got the layup. Like he was playing some big minutes tonight, dude. That was the aggression that I wanted to see from a lot of these players. And you saw from everybody but Aiden, including Frank Kaminsky. It's just, it's crazy how we just don't see him for so long. And then he comes in, it just makes the biggest difference, dude. He played some really good pick and roll with Chris Paul, and it was nice. There was a couple possessions in a row where they looked really good together, dude. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, when's Frank going to come back in, you know? I mean, I want to see Aiden out there. I don't want him to be benched in the fourth quarter like he was those two games, of yes, course. Yes, those but two games, yeah. He has to play. I mean, Aiden played better in, with those two offensive rebounds towards the end of the game. But Frank was just, he was ready to go, dude. He even he was a little selfish tonight in the first quarter. I think he stole a pass, yes. took the jumper, and then he did it again. He didn't pass the ball towards the end of the. I think it was the first quarter. He's like going to ditch a three. He's like, no, I'm going to shoot this myself. (laughs) He was was awesome. Selfish Frank tonight, but I loved it, dude. He was awesome to watch. Frank Kaminsky ends with 13 points, six for eight from the field. You know, two rebounds. uh, But that's what you expect from Frank. But again, Mm -hmm. you know, his energy, doing what Dario hasn't done. uh, You know, it's funny when you see all of a sudden's Twitter calling for Frank Kaminsky. But you know, as Paul says in the chat, says putting Da back in did get us our game back on track when we were losing. Uh, and that is, this is for real. Is he like for real? Is he really watching the Suns now? Yeah, yeah. My little oh, brother started he? watching the Suns. I thought he, he finally, was just like he, he in the comments. He, well, he finally <laughs> realized that all other sports are kind of. The, he finally realized that the Suns are winning. Like there the, you go. That's a good reason to watch. And the first thing when he when he told me he's like, hey, I'm starting to watch the Suns. Like they're actually doing really good. I'm like, hey man, yeah. here's what I wrote called Welcome to the Bandwagon, and it's totally any everybody's welcome. Like if you are a new Suns fan and this is your first time watching the Suns Jam Session yeah. podcast. Welcome aboard. Meet your friends in the chat. Have a good time. Like this is a party here in Phoenix and all are invited. I don't care who you're unless your old team was the Spurs. You are welcome. Okay. If you're yeah. a Spurs fan, you can stay in San Antonio land and enjoy your lame ass jerseys. Okay. Yeah, eat your pork and bathe in that river. Yeah. You bathe in that Full San Antonio, the, the, the Rio Grande river or what have you. <laughs> um, how about that wedgie? Well, that's the first yeah. time we've seen Does a wedgie in a Suns game in a no, long time. time. I mean, I remember the first one because I tweeted. But, no but it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Was, I think it was like right in the beginning of the season. But um, does that even count, though? I mean, they have like a wedgie. So no dunks podcast that count wedgies all, all season long. So I think that counts as a real one because it was like it wasn't really a putback. It was like someone just hit it. And it, it just went, went right in there. there. It was. Yeah, so explain it, to everybody who's watching who doesn't know what a wedgie is. So wedgies when the ball gets trapped in between the rim. You know, when someone shoots, it just sticks right in there. And it's a wedgie. It's a dead ball, right? Yes. That's that's what a wedgie is. And tonight that we saw one, usually you just see them on jumpers or like little lay-ins or like maybe maybe someone takes it aggressive to the hole and they just throw it out there and get stuck. But tonight was a little bit of a different one because someone just like punched it in there. So I don't know if it, it really counts not, but it's fun to watch, dude. And uh, <laughs> no dunks to the podcast actually keeps total all season long, so. Yeah, and it, it was. I don't, I don't. Did you tweet at them when it happened? Because you no, typically I, do. I was super lazy tonight. I was just doing my notes, and that's it. <laughs> I wasn't even on Twitter tonight at all. Oh wow, my we bad. had some good. We had some good engagement from the Suns Jam Session podcast Twitter handle. So if you don't follow that at Suns Jam, hit us up, join us. We're getting close to I think 800 followers, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that was one of the weirdest wedgies I've ever seen. I think I think Campaign and Paul George were down there fighting for the ball, and they hit it up and just went like right to yeah. that perfect spot. Yep. And of, and of course, I thought uh, about you. Are, are there anything yeah, in your notes too. that we've missed, Matthew? Anything in my notes? Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't know. We went over so many. Did we even talk about Devin Booker at all? I'm just yeah, joking. that's we we let no. off the pod with him. I know. I'm just joking. No, champions that's... adjust. And he's learning how to be a champion by adjusting to the competition like he did tonight. No, the only extra thing I do have is this Javon Carter one-handed shot he had. And I learned from Chris Paul. I think it was early in the game where he had the little one-handed shot off the glass. <laughs> that yes. was his moment of the night. And I just want to give a little shout-out to that. Besides that, dude, we covered, uh, I think, almost everyone that's really done. 
well. Yeah, tonight, and, so. and then again, if you look at the Clippers, you know, the only thing that annoys me is just Rajon Rondo is so annoying. Uh, 25 minutes, nine rebounds, seven assists. He's just, he's so mm-hmm. good. He just, he annoys me because uh, he's quality and come playoff time. If we have to play that team, he will become one of your most hated people that, you know, if, if we lose to the Clippers in the playoffs, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. It'll be, yeah. because of, it'll be because of Rondo. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. It's, I don't know. Are you going to do a new segment? Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters who are watching along live, this is your reminder to go ahead and hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, and go ahead and hit the bell to notify you when we go live, which, guess what? It's after every fucking Suns game. We've missed one Suns game this year, and it's because we let the solar panel do their thing on a Saturday Mm -hmm. night. Other than that, the Suns Jam Session, we're here for you, for the Suns, every night. So go ahead and do all that fun stuff. And if you are watching along live, go ahead and let us know who your Jam Star of the Game is. Uh, Matthew, you let off last time. I will lead off this time. It's quite simply, and it's just like last time because it was easy for you too. It was quite simply the man who had 28 points tonight, 10 for 15 shooting, 10 assists, three steals, the one, the only, the point god, Chris motherfucking Paul. Yeah, that's simple. And there's so much MVP talk. And did you hear about like the multiple teams that were so interested in Chris Paul before he came to Phoenix? And how like it, yeah, I think it was the Knicks and there was some other, who else was it? Someone else. But now it's like coming out where you hear everything come into the season, how hard it was probably for the Suns to get him here. Right. I mean, he came here because of Devin Booker and Monty Williams, but I'm telling you what, dude, if, if he wasn't here, this team would maybe be 500. Who knows? Because a lot of these games we would not win without Chris Paul. And that's why he is the MVP. There's uh Grim Rippa says in the chat, you know, he, he's giving a shout out. Was to it too the, much juice tonight though? The, the, the juice. Is there too much of them though? I think Chris I, Paul kind of got irritated with him a few times. Not giving him well, the ball. Yeah. You know, I love Tory Craig. I love the juice. Uh, I like that he's starting. I think that it brings a different physicality to our, our team and definitely rebounding. Uh, mm-hmm. He ended with 10 points and six rebounds, four for nine shooting from the field. Um, one thing I noticed, though, he's not a very good uh, transition defender and because I mean, he's just he's a little bit slower. He's a great half-court defender, but uh, I don't think he was, unfortunately, this time, not the jam star. But going down the line, I mean, everybody's saying Chris yeah, Paul. Chris Paul. How do you think Booker mention. feels about this? I think I'm not Booker trying to be negative. Give a shit. I don't think I so either. Don't. I, Booker I think has no this. ego, dude. The thing that you have to love about Devin Booker is he truly has no ego. Every national narrative that's been made about Devin Booker is pure fabrication, and it always has been. There's never been a quote from Devin Booker. There's never been any instance or action that says he wants to go anywhere else or is frustrated yeah. with the team. And he's had he's had definite reasons throughout his career as a Phoenix Sun to bitch, moan, and complain. He never once has. He's just a low-key dude. Uh, his tweet yesterday when he came back uh, to Phoenix following the East Coast road trip, he's like, back home, playing COD. Like, he just wants to play some Call of Duty, man. Like, he is low-key. So... If CP3 is getting love, he loves yeah. it because he doesn't care. He cares about fucking wins, and that's all that matters. And that's what you know that that's what is fun to see is is to have that kind of guy on your team. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, he he won't let the media ruin him. You know, I think the media is out there, of course, to destroy people. I mean, if you guys haven't noticed, the media likes to tear people apart. No and shit. It, just, it won't affect. It them makes for a great story. It does. And honestly, when I'm hearing the MVP chants, I mean, you're going to hear it from Booker too at the free throw line. So yep. both of those guys are going to get it. This is still Booker's team, but it's just Chris Paul is the MVP of the league. It's just, it's so great because he knows he's like, Chris Paul's going to be here and hopefully a few more seasons. But once we get through this and like we, if we win a championship, we do well, he's going to learn a lot and then he can continue to be here and just be the real MVP probably going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's learning everything he can, soaking it up from an MVP yeah. caliber candidate, and it's going to take us in this. It's, it's going to be prolonged, sustained success for the Suns because of this. Uh, Christian Perez in the chat says, I need more cowbell. Guess what? <laughs> All right, guess what? It's the segment where we talk about how we guessed this game coming in. Uh, Matthew said the Clippers would win. I did. I did that for you, though, John. That was I all appreciate for you. it. I got to pick yeah. the Suns in this one because I'm trying to catch up in the standings. Currently, Matthew's 31 and 15. I'm 27 and 19. So I'm now four games behind him with yeah. 10 games yet, uh, yet left to play. 
Yep. So I'm really kind of upset with myself now that I had this strategy earlier on the uh, last week when we were playing shitty teams. I should have saved it for this road trip. As plenty of the jamsters had said in the chat, they're like, Voido, wait, wait until the road trip when you're playing quality teams and the Clippers and the Jazz and all those teams. Like, wait for that. So uh, I made the mistake. I'm probably not going to beat you. I'm not going to catch probably you not. this year. But, That's you know, enough. up next, we no have cares. the Jazz on Friday. We have the number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't no mean really shit. No one, no one really cares. <laughs> Just when I don't pick the Suns, I get I get ragged on, understandably so. Uh, but next up, we have the Jazz on Friday, the yeah. second game of a quick homestand between the Clippers and the Jazz. We played the number three team in the league today. We won. We play the Jazz come Friday. Matt, Matthew, what are you looking for when we play the Utah Jazz? Well, let's see if Mitchell's going to play. He's been uh, injured lately, right? So he's mm. been out. They've been kind of iffy with him. I mean, it's kind of nice with him being out to get some losses. But tonight, they dismantled the Kings, like 156 to 100. <laughs> so, you see, Did you see the like the second quarter? It was like 31 to 6. Like, no. They killed him in the second. That's what did it. The second quarter, like the Kings just couldn't score. Oh, my God. So, I mean, that's what you're looking forward to, right? The three-point shooting, the lights-out shooting from all over the place. And then Gobert. So what I'm looking for matchup-wise, of course, we got to give it to Aiden, right? I want to watch that guy have a ba- bounce-back game because tonight was BS, what the way he played, except for the end of the game, he did okay. Um, so I'm watching that. And then honestly, uh, the Jazz themselves, I don't even know, man. I, I'm so weird about this team. I don't know what to expect from them. I mean, except for great shooting. But other than that, I don't even know what to do. If, they, if we play them in the playoffs... It's going to be an interesting matchup because I hear a lot like we're kind of like the same kind of team, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, blah, blah, blah. I don't think we are. I think the Utah Jazz will fall off in the first round. So this matchup, though, dude, come on, Aiden. Give us a good game, man. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the matchup, obviously, to watch is Aiden versus mm-hmm. Gobert. Um, you know, remember, this is a team that we've beat twice, and it doesn't matter relative to anything we beat them twice. If we lose this game, we still have the season series. So if it could, does come down to a number one seed opportunity, we will hold the yeah. tiebreaker. Obviously, winning this game is going to uh, get us to that number one seed because we are currently a game behind the Utah Jazz. We win this game. We're tied with them. And because we hold that tiebreaker, and in that case, it'd be 3-0, we win the season series. And what's so funny is, do you remember back in the preseason how – we played the Jazz twice, and then we played the Lakers twice, and that was our preseason. It was four games. Yeah. And the Jazz just wiped the floor with us. Yeah. And then we're 2-0 against them in the regular season. Now, granted, two great games, one on, uh, I think, New Year's Eve and the other one a couple weeks ago. Um, obviously, that is what we're going to be watching is DeAndre Ayton. If the Suns lose this game, it's not the end of the world because I am somebody who's been making the case for the number two seed for the Suns for numerous different reasons. Uh, I actually posted part of our podcast from uh, the Knicks postgame pod where we were talking about just that subject. I posted at its own separate little uh, uh, YouTube video. So if you want to watch a four-minute dissertation between Matthew and I relative to that subject, I think it's pretty good because I'm going to actually use that in the article tomorrow. Um, but it'll be fun. I mean, obviously, you, you win this game, you want to win every game. You want to you beat mm. the Utah Jazz. So I love to do that. Uh, we can definitely sweep this team. So, Matthew, I got to ask you, man, who wins, Suns or Jazz? I'm going Suns, dude. Sorry. You know what? I'll go Jazz because I said we're going to split these two games. Then I'm going to okay. go Jazz. Okay, good. I picked the Suns. I have a chance to gain another game. What you're going to do is you're going to keep purposely fucking up until I get within like one game of you and then like... Just choose all the, everything you yeah, choose. Then you, the, yeah, because yeah. the Suns schedule kind of <laughs> lightens up a little bit, you know? You son yeah. of a bitch. Uh, but you, you look at the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell is currently out with the ankle. Uh, it says he's going to miss probably another week of action, and that was last Saturday. So this game's on Friday, so he could be back. We don't He'll know. Probably be back. My guess is he won't. Really? In all honesty, my guess is he won't. You don't want him come back. The, the Jazz have one of the easiest schedules remaining in the rest of the for in the entire league. That's true. You know they they do. You look at their last few games. They play the Kings tonight, which they killed. They play us, then they play the Raptors. They play a two games against the Spurs, a beleaguered Nuggets team. They play the Rockets, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Thunder, the Kings. They have a lot of opportunity to allow Donovan Mitchell to get right. I don't think they want to throw him into a high stress playoff level type of basketball game uh, like the Suns are, but who knows? I'm probably wrong. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell will probably come out and score 45 points on 87 <laughs> shots. Like he normally does. Even if they win the first, they take the first seed still no respect. So no matter what they do this season, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, what's your way to go at it? No respect. No one cares. I'm sorry. Poor, I'm, I don't hate any of these jazz, players. I'm just but... saying, 
I'm just saying they just they just don't get the respect. And they oh, who didn't Dwayne Wade end up uh, purchasing them? Yes, he Actually, is part of the purchasing group. Do something group. with that franchise, please. Move them make back them to cool. New Orleans or something. Like make them cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, it's like a, you ever Jersey's seen basketball? You, I, yeah. I love that. Okay, yeah. so you have a movie you've seen. All right, fantastic. So I love the beginning of basketball when they talk about the whole premise of why basketball is created. Is essentially because teams and owners realize that they could start moving cities, and they're like, you know, like the Raiders moved from Oakland to Los Angeles, and you know, a few years later they moved back. No one in Los Angeles seemed to notice. The, the jazz moved from New Orleans to Utah where there is no jazz. And like they were just making all these funny kind of observations about how teams have moved. But you know, the, I'd have no idea. Like when they moved to Utah, they should have changed their name. Like there is no yeah. jazz in Utah. Nobody yeah. knows how to play the, the trumpet with their with some uh, sunglasses on and, and really have a good bluesy feel to it in Utah, man. I don't think so. They you shut think they up. Change their name, though? <laughs> Jay Nunya, hell, shut up. Squeaks. That's fantastic. <laughs> Squeaks is a character in you uh, know basketball. So. Oh yeah, I got that. Right, I mean, cool. you can, it could be me. I do squeak. So yeah, you you, you crack more. Fuck. All right, Don't I, crack. Don't I, I I think on that note, we're wrapping things up here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, again, we're going to the playoffs, man. We're going to the playoffs. playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? And I want more, dude. I want more. I want, more. I want everything. This I want everything. Yeah. I want everything. I want to sit on this podcast after the Suns have won an NBA championship so everybody can How watch a 38-year-old man cry his eyes out because that will that happen. I We'll do a pod, but like that's just so weird to say we're going to do a pod right after the Suns won a championship. If that happens, I will cry I'm my eyes out. I'm not going to have a shirt out. on. I will not have a shirt on. I, might, we get, will... I might be getting a tattoo while <laughs> we're doing a pod. How about that? I'll there be. I'll have someone come over uh, and give me a tattoo. You know, like like my little Notre Dame guy right here. I'll get a Phoenix, yeah. Suns, Phoenix Suns one over here. So there you go. Uh, on that note, Oops. Jamsters, again, thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, if again you are watching along live on YouTube, go ahead, hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button. If you want to become an elite Jamster, go ahead and just press the join button. Uh, we have some bonus content, things that we're going to be throwing out there very shortly for you folks. Uh, if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Stitchel, Stitcher, 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 uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review and Write something funny in there. We'll read it right here on the podcast. Email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. We will see you Friday, hopefully taking down that number one seed from the Utah Jazz. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining, and go home and love your family. Playoffs! The fucking playoffs!